are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, good morning. Today is uh, the last day that Tim Brown will be employed here. He, for 13 years, has been the person who oversees all of our personnel, money, and building, has done an awesome job. And Tim and Darlene will be in the foyer today after the service, and you can stop by, shake hands, give them a hug. Tell them how much you appreciate them. The good news is they will continue to attend here and be a part of our church. Also, um, there's a card in the foyer that looks like this. You can pick up some before you go. Do you know what tomorrow is? It's October. Can you believe it? And the 14th of October is two weeks away. And we are starting a series called Giants. So what is that that keeps you awake at night? What haunts you during the day? What is that challenge in your life that you can't overcome. So if you think with me just for a minute, most everybody you know is facing some kind of a giant in their life. There's something huge that they're trying to work through. It's an awesome series to invite people to. And so I don't want you just to like leave today and kind of forget about it. And next time you come back and you hear about it again. I really, really, really want you to take a couple of these cards with you. When you walk out, you can find them at our entrances. Begin praying about who you might invite. Who has gone through something really tough. They're facing a giant in their life. And they would really do well to come to church with you starting October the 14th and hear this series. Also, during that series, we have Sundays at 9. Uh, that's a service that we had earlier this morning. Then we have 1115. And starting on October 14th, we will have Sundays at 5. We'll be worshiping over in the Family Life Center in the worship room. And I think that there are really three groups of people that you might invite. One group would be a person that you know who is facing a giant that you would like to invite to come with you. And that may be the better service for you to invite them to, perhaps. The second group would be people who can't get here on Sunday morning. They've got a job and they work on Sundays or they work all night Saturday night and they can't make it Sunday morning. So who do you know that doesn't come to church because of a job situation? They can't get here for the morning service, but they could come at five. I think the third group would be people who are connected to BFC, but they're not here. They come some, maybe they haven't been for a while, maybe this is the church they grew up in. But they're just not here. But they're connected. And so last week I had a conversation with a guy who is connected, but he's not here. And I told him about Sundays at 5, and I said, I really wish you would consider coming. And before the conversation was over, he just volunteered and said, you know what? I'll give you my word. I'll be there when you start the Sundays at 5. I've got a feeling that you know people who are connected to the church, but they're not here. But they might come to this new, different thing at 5 o'clock. It's a small venue. It would only seat maybe three to 400 people. And I just got an idea that they may say, you know what? That feels a little more comfortable to me. I think I'm going to go to that. So take a couple with you. Make sure that you pray about, think about, begin to invite somebody to come with you to this series starting in two weeks from today, October 14th. If you're ready for that, say, yeah. Oh, that wasn't very exciting at all. Are you ready? Say, yeah. yeah. All right, now we're ready. So it's really about helping you find common ground, sharing Jesus with people who do not yet know Jesus. 
When we started this series a few weeks ago, I asked you how you felt we were doing as a church. Are we hitting the target? What do you think? How do you feel like we're doing? So here's, here's where I think we're at. We're busy. I mean, if you look at the church calendar, we got a lot of stuff going on. We're doing all kinds of stuff. It's the fall of the year. Everybody is busy. The calendar is just packed. We're going. We're doing. But where are we going? And what are we actually doing? And what is the target? So I think Jesus makes it very plain. It's why we talk about this all the time. We say we are becoming more like Jesus. And we are helping people come to know Jesus. And we didn't just get that out of the air. This is what Jesus calls us to do. He says, hey, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them. So in other words, help people come to know me. And then teach them everything I've commanded you. Teach them to live the Jesus way. Help them become like me. I think at some point, you and I begin to say, it's not just about me. Come to church having friendships, finding community, trying to grow in my faith. But what about the people who don't yet know Jesus, who are already in my life? What am I doing for them? And so Paul, let me give you some new words. The Apostle Paul in the book 1 Corinthians says, don't you realize that in a race everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize? And so what he's trying to say, as you will see more clearly even in a moment, is that we live this Christian life with intentionality. There is like a target that we're trying to hit. There's a goal we're trying to reach. There's something we're trying to accomplish. There's something we're trying to do. And so you've got to live this Christian life with that kind of intentionality. And what he's actually saying is if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to know And you've got to run toward the goal, okay? You've got to know what the goal is, and you've got to run toward the goal. And that's why I just think sometimes it's really good to stop and look at each other and say, what are we aiming at? Are we hitting the target? Or are we just going and doing, and we've gotten so busy that we forgot what the target was? And so for Paul, I think he understands it clearly. And he says, I try to find common ground with everyone. I'm doing everything I can to save some. So I'm wondering if you've kind of wandered into church this morning, you know. It's just Sunday morning. I'm doing my Jesus thing. I want to go to my church. And I've sat down and the sermon started and here I am. And I'm focused on being at church because that's important, right, Rick? That's important. I think a lot of things are important, right? One-on-one time with God, that's important. You're right, that's important. I'm in a small group, that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. I found a place to serve, that's important, right? That's important. But what about the people in your life who don't know Jesus? (sighs) Well, Pastor Rick, not so much. I mean, what about the people who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus? What are you doing for them? And you might say, 
that part of my life, it's kind of dormant. There's not much going on there. And I've been coming the last four weeks and I've been hearing what you've had to say, but I just haven't really gotten off the bubble yet and started to actually do something about people who don't yet know Jesus. And so what Paul does in the scripture we're sharing this morning is he gives us a slight warning and he calls us to a life. He says, don't you realize that in a race everybody runs but only one person gets the prize. And so Paul says, why, why don't you just do this, okay? Why don't, you, why don't you run to win? Why don't you actually understand what the target is, what the goal is, and why don't you try to reach that, okay? All athletes, have I ever mentioned to you that I'm an athlete? I'm really not much of an athlete. All athletes are disciplined in their training. That was actually from my friend Mike Scalisi, and I don't even know if he's hearing me this morning. Uh, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So, he says, I run with purpose in every step. I live this Christian life with great intentionality. I'm not just shadow boxing. That's kind of funny. We'll talk about it in a minute. But I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So we, you and I, would consider ourselves who are part of this Nazarene world Wesleyan in our theology. Meaning that we have been influenced greatly by a man who lived a couple of hundred years ago named John Wesley. John Wesley was born in England. He became an Anglican clergyman. He was ordained in the church, and he was a theologian. John Wesley was a dreamer. He used to try to imagine what God might one day do through him and through other people like him. In fact, one of my favorite quotes of Wesley is this. He said, give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. Who wants nothing to do with sin at all and just wants all of God they can get. Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God. And I care not a straw. We don't really talk that way today, but it's kind of neat, don't you think? So look at the person beside you and say, I care not a straw what you think. You know, you just care not a straw. Yeah. I care not a straw. Back up. If you don't mind, we're not there. I care not a straw whether they be clergymen or laymen. And there were a lot of lay preachers in his day who were not ordained. Okay. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. I mean, think about that dream. Just, just give me a hundred people who don't want anything to do with sin and want all of God they can get. And I don't care if they're ordained clergy or if they're layman people who come and are sitting in the seats. It doesn't matter, okay? But such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. 
So when you dream, what do you dream about? What do you imagine that God might want to do through you? So I went to hear a friend of mine preach one day. And he he said this in a sermon. He said, uh, when did you stop living out of imagination? And start living out of memory. In other words, when did you stop dreaming? And just start focusing on the past. When did you stop imagining what God might want to do? And and just only thought about what God had done like years ago. And and I said to him, where where did you get that line? Where where did you come? He said, well, it's not original. I'm sure I've heard it over the years and I hadn't planned to say it. It just kind of came out of my mouth. And I said, well, I I, I think that a lot of us deal with this stuff. I, I think somewhere along the line, some of us, we stop dreaming. We stop beginning to wonder, hey, what what does God want to do through me? And and we just remember what God has done in the past. Like God has done some really great things, but He's not doing great things anymore. I don't don't imagine that God's going to do anything great in the future. I mean, mean, what what if we stopped only thinking about the past and we begin to dream again? about the future, about what God wants to do. See, for Paul, I, I just love his words. Let me remind you of them. So, so you run to win. He, he's saying, I'm not thinking about the past. I'm thinking about the future. I still believe we can win this thing. I, I run with purpose in every step. I'm very intentional about everything I do. I'm, I'm not just shadow boxing. And so you can imagine if you've got two people in a boxing ring and the bell sounds and they're supposed to come out fighting and one guy's standing here ready to go and the other guy just turns his back to his opponent and he's just kind of punching the air, you know, just, and the other guy's standing over here going like, what in the world is he doing? I mean, why would you just stand there punching the air? This is a fight. This is a boxing match. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's kind of funny when you think about it. But it's not funny because I think sometimes that may be how God sees His church. You guys are so busy. You are running and you are going and you are doing and your schedule is so full. But the opponent is over there and you're over here just kind of punching at the air. What are you doing? Go hit the guy. When did you stop believing that you could win? When did you stop believing that you could actually make a difference? When did you stop believing that God could actually change the world through you? When did you stop dreaming? When did you stop living out of imagination? So I'm not a runner, but once a year I run a race. It's the Swazi 5K that you heard Chris talk about a while ago. And, and I, don't, I don't run through the year. In fact, 
I, I don't think I've run all year long until just, just last week. And so I was standing in the hall talking to a couple of the pastors the other day, and I said, yeah, I've got to run in that race on Saturday. This was Monday, but I haven't run all year. I, I guess I should maybe go run or something, right? But it's the week of, so like what's the point? And so they say, absolutely, you should run like tomorrow, you should run on Tuesday a mile, and then on Thursday you should run two miles, and then on Saturday you run your 3.1 miles. So I get up on Tuesday and I think, okay, I should go run the mile, but I ran more like a half a mile. And then on Thursday I decided to play golf instead of run, so that didn't really work out. And so Saturday I have to go run the three miles, and it just absolutely kills me. By the time I finish running, I'm just so tired. It's just endurance is all it is. I just want it to be over really bad, you know. Well, you say, you're not a serious runner. No, I'm not. I don't even think you were running to win. No, I was not running to win. I was just trying to get it done. That was it. Paul says, yeah, but if you were actually in a race, if you were in the games... You know, if, if that was your life, if you were an athlete, he says, this is what you would do. You would discipline yourself because all athletes are disciplined in their training. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. So as you walk in the door today to a church on Sunday morning as a follower of Jesus, how do you feel about this? Would you say, yeah, I, I want to do that. I want to train myself. I want to discipline myself. I mean, I want to I be everything that I can be in this walk with Jesus. And so when I think about discipline, when I think about what are we going to do to help share Jesus with people, um, I've been talking to you about these four points for a long time, okay? And, and I think they're helpful, and we're going to put them on the screen here for you. But... But here's some things that I think you should do. I think you could just pray this open arms prayer. I feel like it's a prayer God gave me a couple of years ago. God, bring someone into my life today. Give me the wisdom to see them and the grace to open my arms to them. It's just three parts to a prayer. God, bring somebody into my life today. Give me the wisdom to see them and the grace to open my arms to them. And you know what's pretty awesome? Is that we've been asking people to pray this prayer and on Wednesday night I've been meeting with a few hundred people in the atrium and they've been praying the prayer in fact many of them made a commitment I will pray the prayer every day and last week I asked them how many of you believe that God is bringing somebody into your life and hands went up all over the room hundreds of people said I think God has answered my prayer I believe God has brought somebody into my life the minute we say God I'll volunteer I'll help God says okay there he is there she is I've brought somebody into your life. Become their friend. Reach out to them. Love them. Add value to their lives. And here's what's going to happen. As they live in friendship with you, they're going to see Jesus in you. Pray the prayer. Then what I think is really important is that we begin to pray for them. Just begin, and, and I love the idea of writing. So in the mornings I get up and I get this journal out and I write about the people that God has brought into my life. I pray that God would bless them. I pray that God would give me wisdom as I befriend them. And I praise God for everything He's done to this point in that relationship. It's really simple. But it's great accountability for me. 
And then I just begin to live with my arms open to them. I just try to live in friendship with them. And I'm always asking God, God, how do I befriend this person? What's it look like? Sometimes I'm texting people. Sometimes I'm calling them. Sometimes I'm meeting them for lunch or dinner. I'm just trying to be friends. And then I make myself accountable to others. I think it's really important. Once a month, I sit down with people and I bring my journal and I say, okay, here's what God is doing right now. Here are the people that I'm trying to live with my arms open to. And here's what God's doing. That accountability is so crucial. So just, just let me ask you, what if you begin doing this like many people in the church are doing now? I mean, what if you just said, okay, in the morning, I'm going to pray this prayer, Rick. I'm going to pray God bring somebody into my life, give me the wisdom to see them and the grace to open my arms to them. And I'm telling you, in a few days, you're going to hear the Spirit say to you, that's her, that's him. And you're going to be like, wow, I'm not believing this. God just spoke to me. And then you just begin writing in the morning. Just, okay, Lord, you brought this person into my life. So, you know, thank you so much. I pray your blessings on them. Lead me, guide me, show me what to do next. I'm new at this. I need help. And it will be amazing how God will change the way you see people. And then you just begin to live in friendship with that person. And then you find a small group or a person or two or one individual. And once a month, will you sit down with me and let me open my journal with you and just be accountable for how I'm living my life in relationship to people who don't know Jesus? Okay, now you want to dream about something? If a fourth of us begin to take this on, Do you have any idea what a difference it would make in the world? You want to dream with me about what God wants to do through you? When you think about the number of people whose lives would be forever changed, and you know what new Christians do? They can't help it. They just talk to people about Jesus all the time. And it just becomes this ripple effect. And the world gets changed. There's a guy whose name is C.S. Lewis. Was C.S. Lewis. Lived a few years ago. He says the church exists for nothing else. Okay, this is a big statement, right? This is the only reason the church exists, he says. To draw men into Christ and to make them little Christs or like Christ. He says if the church is not doing that, then all the cathedrals and all the clergy and all the missions and all the sermons and even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. In other words, if we're not becoming more like Jesus and helping people come to know Jesus, then what in the world are we doing? We're like a guy in the boxing ring with our back to the opponent just kind of punching at the air. What are you doing?
this is a conversation about eternal consequences. It's serious. It has a lot to do with where people spend eternity. This is the language Paul uses. We're talking about eternal prizes here, not, not prizes that just fade away. It's coming to a place in our lives where we become convinced that church does not only exist for us, but church exists for others too. It's not just about me. And making friendships here and getting to journey with other people in my faith and becoming more like Jesus because to become more like Jesus is to become passionate about people who don't know Him. I'm here to tell you, I watch it happen all the time. God is waiting for volunteers. And when you put your hand in the air, He is going to use you. He will blow your mind in what He will do through you. So why don't you let me pray for you, okay? Then we're going to sing together. So Father, for weeks here I've been wondering and believing in my heart that if we spent four weeks here that you would change us. And every time somebody walks up to me and says, Pastor Rick, God's doing it. He's brought somebody into my life. I just get really excited. Because I realize, Lord, that you are being faithful. Doing what you've promised that you would do. I have no idea what's going to happen in these next two months and three months and six months. I have no idea who's going to show up in two weeks for a series called Giants. I have no idea what's in your heart, Father, and what you're about to do through the people who are part of this congregation. But I believe you're about to blow us all away as people just begin to say, Okay, God, you can use me. Bring somebody into my life today. Give me the wisdom to see them and the grace to open my arms. And as we begin to pray and as we begin to live in friendship with people. And they're going to see Jesus in us. And lives are going to change. So we're just calling out to you today. Lord, do it. And move us from somehow being comfortable not to be in volunteers to be in volunteers. And for everything that you do, we will celebrate who you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.